Welcome to another episode of Love Notes. This is Taquita Love, a nurse and a comedian. You think you could bring your brother the clear machine home? You know the revival. <laughs> and I'm talking to my funny friends about medical mishaps. Clear! You are listening to Love Notes. Hey, what's up? It's Taquita Love, and you're here on another episode of Love Notes. I'm here with my friend, comedian, actor, Pretty much just like all around content creator, Baliko Wisa. Yes, Baliko Wisa. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> thank you for coming. No, thank you for having me. Thank you, know you for I'm, joining. I'm so impressed with you. Thank you. This is outstanding. <laughs> okay. The fact you're able to allow me to come here. Hopefully, I don't like devalue your podcast. I don't do that. Okay. I know. Don't come talking. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do everything. Like uh, you know, I think you have to in this like in this era of. Of entertainment, you mm-hmm. have to do everything. Yeah, it forces you to. You're right. Yeah. I, I agree. I wanted to. Um, I know we met through the sketch improv world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at, at UCB. UCB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that you were like filming and taping a lot of sketches. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So tell me what you tell me. Like, give us a background story. Like, where are you from? And then tell me your journey into comedy. Like, how'd you get to being funny and creating content? Gosh, first so much no um i'm from los angeles but my background my family's from congo democratic republic congo um so my family moved here like in the late 70s of course i was born here so i don't have the accent but i still speak and write like in our one of the languages lingala or whatever um i was raised to become a doctor but i think uh art chooses you mm-hmm. rather than you choose art or whatever so i always always think out of the right side of my brain even though like when it comes to academia and scholastically like i was always fine with the left side but um, I got into comedy like in 2008, nine. I remember being in college and undergrad watching like Dave Chappelle and remember for what it's worth where he wore that like Zaire shirt or whatever with Muhammad Ali on it. So that's the name of our country before. And I was like, wow, Zaire, like mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Muhammad Ali. Then I did research on Dave Chappelle and his mom speaks Lingala. Okay. So I was like, oh man. So for some odd reason, I was like, hey, I think I can be funny. People say I'm funny. So maybe that's like a sign from God or whatever. Right. Got into comedy. Um, first place I did comedy was a Ha Cafe or whatever. Trash. That's where? Ha Ha Cafe. Okay. Yeah, you know, first show, you know, I wore like, I wore a, a suit, a tie, and like a, like a blazer and everything. But what, what did you do before? Oh, before that. Okay, so prior to me doing comedy, I have a master's in biomedical science and I have a master's in public health, so I did research. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. but um, it's a it's a whole thing. Like, I like doing Which research. Which is probably why you wore the suit on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, I was like, I'm just, the, well, comedy's a job. I have to be professional. <laughs> I'm going to work and right. <laughs> I have my, I gotta just make sure I look the part. I remember my cousins looking at me in the crowd. I had two cousins that come and they're like, why are you wearing, guys wearing a tie on stage? Comedy's not that kind of business, but I was like, I'm being professional. <laughs> you have to tell jokes professionally or whatever, right? But you know, that's a part of the journey or whatever. So, to create like, um, I don't know, I did comedy or whatever. Um, I got into improv, did sketch, and improv was very great because it was very supportive. But with comedy, I think what helps comedy is living life. I was in a comedy club seven days a week, just mm-hmm. living in it, but you don't grow as a person. So, I got all depressed, and there was a bunch of like bad stuff that was happening. Like, I get on Jimmy Kim Alive, a sketch, I'll do a sketch. It wouldn't be aired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is this happening to me? And I had one that wasn't aired too. Right, right. You yeah, know what okay. I'm saying? And I think like, not to say I'm like a genius, but you know when you're a, like, you feel like you're a creative genius and like bad stuff happens to you. It's like, I'm great. This should happen. But it's like, there's other factors that have nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. So I got all depressed, sad. 
and I like stopped comedy for like two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, and then I like regained stopped my stopped comedy, meaning like did nothing. I did nothing, mm. but I would always write. That's the whole thing I'm saying with the right side of your brain. Mm-hmm. When you're creative, like you can't help it. So like I would write songs, and it's weird in that two and a half year period. Me, my sister, and my cousin Keenan, you know Keenan Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, we developed this series called Phoebe Helms, where I play a rapper. So now I just like now I know how to rap. <laughs> because of that two year break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. you guys just like struggle and you get all depressed. So now like He's like, How could I tap into my inner Right, right. You know right, what right, I gotta right. do Boom bars. Squad, I gotta, bang, bang. Ah. Right. No, no, for <laughs> real. So we have um the mixtape's coming out next month and so So you came on here to drop your mixtape. That's what you did. Pretty much <laughs> trying to do the N word thing. Yep. B B my net rap name is B Strokes. Keenan K Key Swag the mixtape and then in two in two months, we're gonna release the album, swag the album. I can't wait to, I can't wait to hear. It. I can't oh, no. see, I can't, but I can. I oh no! Yeah. Oh, you're gonna love it. We <laughs> shot a video yesterday with with Dion. Okay. Yeah. So we got. I, I don't know. Like it's. I think in that two year break is like I realized you have one life. Yeah. Be, if you're creative, do whatever. Don't hold yourself down and be like, well, I think I can write a book. Write a book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, do it. And guess what? Your book might be probably better than you think, and it could probably touch more people than you think. So yeah, yeah. So that's how I got here. That's a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what? Are, what you working on now? I know uh, you just you dropped the mixtape. Okay, so I'm, I'm so I'm dropping the mixtape. Uh, There's gonna be some bars for you for you niggas. <laughs> You'll be so upset. How's this comedian with bars? Um, so we have that. <laughs> Um, I have a monthly show at Westside Comedy Theater talk, called The Takeover. It's every the last Saturday of every month at 1130. Um, we'll put like dope comedians, and we will have Miss Tequita Love on one of our shows as okay. soon as possible. Yeah, we're, also, yeah. we're also trying to put The Takeover at Flappers. So we have the first show in um, September, um, I think the 28th or whatever, the last Thursday. We're trying to figure it out. All right, ever. I got to look at, look at, ask my assistant on what day it is. Assistant. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I just I just wanted to sound a little bougie and elitist. Look at this place. I want to sound better than I actually have. No, um, and then with um, me and Keenan, we have this series, Phoebe Helms, which is played by my sister, Felicia Wisa. We're about to do the pilot. And then, like I said, I'm from the Congo, right? So there's a huge market out there with in the diaspora that I think, like, Africans and African Americans need to tap into because English is spoken in every time zone. So I started this group with my cousin and a Congolese comedian called Bantu Boys. And Bantu in Lingala means like, we the people are our people. So we have sketches. Um, we're actually shooting, a, we're partnering with this Congolese director. And we're shooting like a series called In the Meeting Room right now. Okay. And um, we have this series called Zella, which is kind of like um, taxi cab confessionals, but from like a Congolese perspective. So like a lot of Africans will move here to America and they'll be like, I'm a chief back home. You know, I'm a prince. But okay. when they come here, they're Uber drivers. Mm-hmm. Right, so <laughs> you're so funny. Your eyes are so funny. What? No, I didn't say anything. No, no. It's like you got an undertone. No, but like, um, <laughs> so we're trying to like, we're gonna do like a little um, tell stories of what like Congolese drivers go through. It's like pretty much it's like a, a satire, like Tactical Confessionals. Okay. That sounds dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're gonna have like a bunch of like our comedy buddies like in it or whatever. And um, there's another um, series we're working on called Tata Zinga. So it's like Father Zynga, which is like, um, so Zynga, fun fact, in Congo, my ethnicity is Bakongo, right? But Zynga is my clan name. So like all me and my cousins, our clan is like Zynga. Like we're, we're, we're the Zynga crowd or whatever, right? So um, this series is about pretty much like my life, like uh, how I got these two masters. I didn't go to medical school and my uncle's like pissed off. 
Like, you know you're a failure. You don't want to become a doctor. Why do you want to become a comedian? You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? It's like, because comedy makes me happy. Happiness, this boy is stupid. So, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, until I make it, then, like, I'm a failure. You know, to your family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, I feel like every family's like that. For oh, yeah, I'm a failure. Part. Depends on what, you know, making it is to them. I was at a family reunion. My uncle was like, you know the boy, he only has two masters. I was like, yeah. I'm <laughs> is so... he being sarcastic because two masters? I'm like, yeah. you did it. You yeah. made it. Yeah. Oh, and it was, it was intensive, but back-to-back years. Oh, it was going crazy. Look, when I defended my thesis that night, my girlfriend took me to a 2 chain concert, and I fainted at the concert. From exhaustion? Or... Yo, from exhaustion. Because my mentor was like, Suge Knight. This lady was off the hook. She was a medical geneticist. So she'd be like, Blake, I need my thesis at 7. So when I would email it to her at 701, she would call me. Why Why were you a minute late? Mm. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's at 701. Yeah, she was like Suge Knight. No, just like, but I needed her. Because mm-hmm. during that, because like, I was so lazy. See, as a comic, like, as a talent, we get lazy. Because like, average people work 40 hours a week, right? But as a stand-up comedian, what do you do stand-up for? Like, you would say a good week might be four hours if you had a good week. Like, maybe say you have, like, three shows or you do 45 minutes, 45 minutes, right? So we're Performing. Lazy. Yeah, performing. But there's so much more to come than no, just performing. very true. But nobody does 40 hours a week of, like, <laughs> art. Like, you don't do 40 hours a week. That's a nice goal. No, right? To be on set all day. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So we're kind of lazy. So this lady, she yeah. knew, oh, you're so you're, you're smart, so you get away with it. It's mm-hmm. not going to work here. Mm-hmm. All right, right. So she toughened me out. That's why, like, when I got back into comedy the past, like, three years, I was like, well, what's harder? Medical genetics, Suge Knight, or comedy? And comedy's fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it gives you a lot of confidence. Like, I think in this field, you need, like, confidence. Because you're going to deal with more failures. More people, There's more failures people don't know. You bomb. You bomb at shows. I've had top-notch comedians say, yeah, I just bombed this last show. I'm like, I can't picture you bombing. Yeah. But it happens. Sometimes the crowd doesn't feel you. You're not giving them what you want. You're not listening. You're not in the moment. Whole thing. What's the worst bomb you had? Worst bomb. Oh, this is great. I was. Uh, I started out doing comedy. I met this, like, fake... Uh, I met this fake manager in um in south la and uh it was at this like weird like hotel or whatever and there was some dude in the crowd i was talking about ninjas or something like that and there was like i don't know some some cripper blood in the crowd he was like man this nigga shucks man get this nigga off the <laughs> stage or whatever and i was so nervous because mm-hmm. i think he had a piece you know what i mean so i was like he's gonna do something to me so you were scared i was scared as hell okay yeah but you Did know, nothing happened though, right? No, 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 no. He was cool. Like he was cool. He was just like ignoring me. He was like, "Man, snake oh right here." Oh my goodness, I have I bombed. I bombed, bombed. Like uh, I, I feel like that was a that was a bomb. Yeah, it's a bomb. Nobody was laughing. But I'm... the fake manager. Oh yeah, 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 the whole thing. Fake manager. She was like, "Man, I got this really great show. Great opportunity." There was some lady at the end of it that had like. I don't know. She had like pot. She did a, a character where she put her feet into like a pot. It was like a whole thing. I was like, "Where am I?" When you look back at him, like, "Why am I here?" Hmm. Yeah, but. Oh, I remember I had a bomb. I was in San Diego with um, Keenan and Tony Baker, and there was like, I think it was like an AKA event or whatever. I went there on stage and I said my first joke. <laughs> now, that's one I want to hear about. It's not always glorious as a comedian. No, hell no. Um, a bomb that you had with comedians that I know and respect Tony Baker and Keenan uh, Baker. It was Tony Baker, Keenan Baker, Brandon Lewis, and Chaz, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, I hate Chaz. I hope he knows that. But um, we're in San Diego. It was a show for like AKAs or something like that or whatever. It was a room full of AKAs. And I would have first. And let me say, they were not feeling us, but they definitely weren't feeling me, right? You know when a comedian is really not confident in his material, when he gets there on stage, he starts mm-hmm. dancing. Mm-hmm. So I started dancing. So they're like, oh, go boy, go. And I said my first joke card ever, 
you could hear a pen drop. You can hear people's thoughts. <laughs> you can hear girls like edges and weaves move or something like that. So when I said this joke and they weren't feeling it, they were like to the left of me at the bottom mm-hmm. and I looked at them to the left and I grabbed my collar. They were rolling. They're like, this guy's going to take the bomb. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take this bomb. So I tried to go person to person. You know, sometimes you're not doing well. You, well, you I say, try to go to the audience. Just work some crowd. There was some black girl in the back. Tell jokes, nigga. Like I was like, they were <laughs> not feeling us. Let me tell you something. Black people are great. When they love you, they're with you. But when they don't like you or they smell that weakness. Like, yeah, you like, can't have no fear. Oh, no. Hell no. Not at all. Hell no. No. But it gets you tougher, though. But that was great. I remember when we were outside after the show or whatever. And Tony, Tony's real cool. Wait, wait, wait. You just skipped out. So did you finish your set? Like, how did you get out of it? Did did they actually stand up and boo you? Or did you just... No, they didn't boo. There was no last. Remember that that portion of Coming to America when uh, Randy Watson was singing? And that one black lady was in the crowd. They were all just, like, looking. Uh Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, just appalled. They're like, why is it? What? <laughs> and it's funny because one of my first jokes. No, no, I know. I'm thinking back now. I remember they were with me after the dance because I said, "Yeah, my ex girlfriend was a SG row," and they're like, "Boo, boo!" And I was like, "Yeah, I need a room." I'm like, AKA. So I had them for like two minutes, mm-hmm. but I don't remember the following joke. It just didn't work. And I think I think it said something. No, I, I remember what it. I said something about Kobe. How I look like Kobe, and we're in San Diego. I guess they were feeling it. I don't know. And I looked at Tony and I looked at Keenan, and they were like. I just remember the look on it, especially Keenan, because Keenan knows me because we grown up together. So the Keenan just started dying laughing. I was like, "Oh boy, <laughs> let me tell you, those bombs are rough." But I mean, you got off stage. Oh, yeah, I got off stage quick. Oh, real quick. You fast. didn't wait for the light. No, no. Oh, I did five uh, minutes. Oh. Oh no, 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 no. You didn't sit it and then take it. No, I was trying. I was trying to get. I was trying to holler a couple of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to get well, it. You know, so. you know the way to do that is to get out of that bomb <laughs> and be funny. You know, like you, if you can weave out of that and be like, "No, I got you," then. I cared too much at that time to clean it. I cared too much. But then it's funny because, like, after we were sitting in the front and, like, the, like, whatever festival was over or whatever. No, wait. There was a comic from San Diego they had. And this comic from San Diego, let me tell you, he had some black identity issues. Because mm-hmm. when he went up and they weren't feeling him, he was like, man, I don't like black women anyway. <laughs> sound like a sound like an appropriate uh, show. Let, let me Brothers be no, you, know, like, you ain't trying you. to holler. Hey, let me tell you something, like you man. That's exactly what he said. He was like, I don't like y'all either. And we're sitting there like, yo, like just take the bomb. Don't be like disingenuous or disrespectful or whatever. We all bomb. And it was like, it was great to bomb. I was like, oh, this is humbling. Because all it is. My bomb was not great. What kind of bomb did you have? I had um I bombed at a corporate gig and Ooh. and I was with a comedians that I really respected. Yeah. I think it was Sean Grant, Nika Williams, Jesus Sepulveda. And, uh, you know, like I, I did a rookie mistake where I didn't like warm the crowd up. I didn't yeah. like interact with them. I just got on stage and was like, joke one. Right, right, right. Joke two. They was not feeling me at all. Yeah, I did my jokes. It was so painful. I wanted to leave so bad. I got back to the, to the uh, table where the comedians were sitting and it was like, you know, almost like it was formal. Yeah. And so like <laughs> I sat down and I think Sean Grant was to the right of me and like nobody at the table looked at me. Now that's when you know you bomb. When you get back, they, nobody looked at me. <laughs> and then Sean turned around. He turned his back to me. He said, I don't want none of that on me. <laughs> He's like, don't even bring that whatever that is over here. And then I had to stay the whole night because I got to wait to get paid. And you, know, you got to sit in it. You got to smile in people's faces while everybody walking past all the other comedians saying, oh, that was so dope. You killed it. You killed it. And they go you right over it. you. And it's just like, that's how, you know, like, that's, I didn't know that, you know, like, you got to, 
warm them up and do all the crowd yeah. work. But then I thought about it in hindsight. I'm like me, I'm being a nurse. It's like when I come to somebody's room, I don't be like, hey, here go your shot. Bam. Yeah. That's what I did to them. I went in there. I was like, hey, here go your mm-hmm. jokes. Bam. And you know, like, no, you got to be like, hey, That's how really are great you? I'm Taquita. You know, how you feeling? I got to do all that. So I learned, you know, I still collected the check because you're supposed to. Yeah, you're supposed um, to. Get but I bread. felt bad. I did feel bad. I felt bad because I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't funny tonight. Yeah. But um, isn't it amazing how there's other factors in comedy? Like, so I have a show at Westside Comedy Theater and I work there on Fridays. And I remember David Allen Greer asked the owner, sorry to name drop, but he asked the owner if he can have the bathroom light closed. Like in the corner, there's a bathroom light there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and the owner was like, oh, well, we leave that light open so, so people can go to the bathroom. But he's like, I want it completely dark so the audience can focus on me. Mm-hmm. You know, in comedy, there's like a relationship with you and the audience. Like, your joke is only as good as an audience that's attentive. You know what I'm saying? That wants to hear it. It's just amazing how you're like, hey, I got to open them up and be like, hi, how are you doing? Like a nice you're intro. Supposed to. And I remember getting off stage and I think the, fir- the first thing I said when I sat down is like, I wish I could have clicked my heels and been somewhere else. And then, <laughs> you know, but that's me in my natural state. And then Sean Grant, Sean G, he was like, you should have said that on stage, you know, like, because that would have been funny. Right, right. And then you would have got them back. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, the journey is like, you do, you do it, you bump your head and you learn, but you keep going. So like, yeah. Your bomb, and I not in a disrespectful way, but I hope you have a I have I hope you have a a, a better bomb. Yeah, oh Meaning yeah. like one where you gotta yeah where you gotta feel it like I had to feel it. No, no, oh, no. Let me tell you something. Like I think I so I run a mic in Inglewood, Mingles Team Bar. You guys should come every Friday, um, seven to nine, five dollars. But I remember just the last mic we had, and I was there like hosting, and I think I I bombed, and I was just like. Hey, you guys aren't feeling me. That's okay. I'll bring up the next comic. Like I'm like, all right, it's Monday, yeah. because you know, like now. I don't want to say a vet, but somebody that's in it, I, there's always another stage. It isn't like hoops, like where it's like a sport where it's like, oh, I have to be young, yeah. right? You can always continue to just get on stage and get better and figure it out. So how long have you been doing stand-up? Over a span of 10 years, but altogether seven years. Well, seven remember, years. Because yeah, remember, okay. I took a two and a half year break. Nice. Yeah. We're going to depress and crap. No, that's all right. I'm better now. I'm strong, way stronger well, I'm happy now. I'm back. Like when I saw you, I was like, I don't know where I saw you. It was in passing. And I was like, come do my show. You came. God bless you. It. You gave you gave me my first show back. Let me tell you something. You saw we were at the improv. It, it's even then when I was at the improv and I was walking past you, you're like Blaka. And I was like, yes. I, I could even tell like I was like like a little like 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 a puppy with his like tail between his tails. Like I'm trying to get back. Nobody look at me. Nobody look at me. Like you want to do my show? I was like, all right. I'm so grateful for you. Good. That's Thank why you. I was like, hey, you have this podcast. I have to get on. Cause, you here because you was like uh excuse me how do i get on that and i'm like you know me just come like <laughs> no nah, but you but you know like when i saw the love notes i was like because i saw Keetra on here and i was like Keetra, what, what is she doing the love notes i said is it about health i was like oh i'm all about health let's let's share <laughs> you know what i mean because people need to know about like health yeah. and stuff like that especially in, like black and latino communities like i'm telling you man like there's a lack of Knowledge. A lack of knowledge, right? And then, so I would tell my my family, you know, like y'all should donate blood because yeah. there's people with cancer that need blood transfusions and right, stuff like right. that. Bone marrow transfusion, everything. It don't it don't make a difference until it affects you, right? Yeah, but I think like there's a lot of factors. Like, okay, so biomedical research, and our I did my master's in public health, but I did urban health disparities, right? So I focused on like. Um, people in low socioeconomic and low disadvantaged areas, so like black Latinos Mm -hmm. in like um, South LA. And there's a lot of factors like when you're African-American and you, first of all, you have to start with the root. The moment black people got on that um, boat 
boat or ship going to the United States of America or whatever at the time, the colonies or whatever. There was no health care. There was no Kaiser Permanente on the slave ship. The moment you coughed, you're off the ship. They would feed African-Americans like spoiled food. Mm-hmm. So think about that, what that does to your genetic makeup over generations, over time. Then you eat bad food once you get here or whatever. Then you have like Henrietta Lacks, Tuskegee. We don't trust the healthcare system. I think that's um, that's definitely true because mm-hmm. nobody goes to the doctor unless they are forced to go. Forced to go. And you, that's just how we. That's how you grow up. It's like, even the, my mama won't go to. It. I'm like, I'm a nurse. Go to the doctor, and she won't go. Right. They I don't know. maybe when we come back from break, we'll talk about cultural competency. How like doctors and nurses, they're not, they're not culturally inept to deal with that or understand that because they just come in for a check. Not saying you, but I know you work with like. I know I work with geneticists where they're like, I'm just here to just get a check. But it's like, yo, this person's mom is in jail at the hospital in Linwood and the dad's on crack. Mm. You can't just treat them like a normal patient. Yeah. You have to talk to them differently. Yeah. <laughs> Cultural competency. Um, what is that? Oh, this is great. Hmm? It's about uh, um, healthcare professionals, whether it's like um, lab technicians, you know, um, they teach. They have classes that they it's manda- it's mandatory for us to take in healthcare mm-hmm. on like cultural differences and how to deal with d- different cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they've been yeah. starting it recently, like, cause you know, prior they wouldn't. But like, there's there's so there's many many other factors. You know, if you're in South LA, like if you're a Drew and you're a medical doctor and you have to tell some bad news, you know, to a family that's been with so much pain, you can't talk to them like if you were working at Cedar Sinai. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel like different cultures respond differently and need different um, types of energy. Like, yeah, but we're taught to, I know as a healthcare professional, we're taught to deal with people, you know, so, and like be okay with the different cultures and how they do things. I work in the oncology field. Um, If somebody is, you know, dies or has a, you know, the way that they transition, people have their own rituals, their own things like blood transfusions and stuff some people don't get them yeah. some people it's against their religion religion so cultures all that we were taught to you you know to to be sensitive to right it. yeah so like healthcare professionals nurses doctors nurse practitioners even lab technicians like they need to learn how to deal with um patients that come from a different background whether it's socioeconomic different mm-hmm. cultures like for example if you deal with a foreign man and let's say his wife is sick mm-hmm. you probably won't talk to the wife the patient you'll talk to the husband Right. Because if you talk to you know the wife, that's like disrespect. Like, yeah. well, hey, I I'm the man. I make the decisions. That's mm-hmm. my culture, or whatever. But also too, like if you're dealing with a patient at Cedar Sinai that might have a different socioeconomic status, it's different than if you talk to somebody like King Drew. That's like, my father might be a gang member or dead. My brother's like having problems. Mm-hmm. Mom might be on crack. It's like how you talk to them differently when you bring yeah. them like bad news, or even how you care for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a lot of doctors don't know that because it's like. Our healthcare professionals don't know that because they go everything by the book. Rather, it's still a people business. Yeah, I think me being a nurse, a lot of times um, that we're able to find that connection and because yeah. we have time, like yeah. you know, we have more time with the patients. I think, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a there is a relationship that develops between the nurses and the patients that yeah, are yeah. different than doctor, the doctors. Yeah. And so, I definitely agree that there is a there's a need to treat people differently based on what their needs are, right. which could be socioeconomic or it could be, right. you know, just cultural differences. So, right. um, I know where I work now, yeah. they make us take a class when you first start working at the, the hospital where That's it's awesome. like, there's a class on diversity. There's a class on, you know, cultural sensitivity. Right. Um, and then also 
Uh-huh. I feel like since I'm the I'm always like the only black nurse or right. the only you know urban yeah. nurse, urban urban. Uh-huh. They like I always get the ratchet patients, you know. Like they yeah. always be like you, you know like give her the girl that <laughs> yeah to miss a nurse nurse <laughs> go do the thing yeah. you do. Give me the, I remember I went to work one day and there was a girl getting chest compressions mm-hmm. and. Why do I gotta like? Why do I gotta tag somebody out and tag in on chest compressions? I feel like they not done at work. They should finish that task. Right. Yeah, it's there's a lot there's a lot of factors, man. Like we're talking. No, okay, now now my brain's buffering. Not buffering, but now it's coming back. Remember we're talking about like uh, Henrietta Lacks, Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Like there's other factors before a patient goes to a hospital or a patient deals with a healthcare professional in any field, mm-hmm. right? Like. The socioeconomic injustices um, black people go through. So, like, like black people have to even deal with environmental racism, right? Where black people always live by a freeway. Explain environmental racism. So, like, black people, all black people live in major cities live by a freeway. And if you live by a freeway, you have a higher chance of you, like, getting chronic heart disease, um, cortisone levels oh, are increased. Of the exhaust, exhaust, the smog. People throw trash by by the freeway. Okay. And then even because of the freeway, homeless people live by the freeway. They don't have the best hygiene. You have hepatitis C. Um, I don't know. Like we're here in LA, there's an increase of what um, rat population. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. Right. Well, you know we, what you're talking. About. You came to drop knowledge. No, I came to do research. I was like, oh, we're gonna do some science. I love it. Right. But no, like. There's other other factors. Like, for example, there's a study, like, I think in 2012 or something like that, where if you live in South L.A., so South L.A. is broken up to different, like, planning areas, like service mm-hmm. planning areas, you know, spas, all right, right? So South South Central L.A., spa six, that'll be like Watts, Inglewood, Compton, all right, ever. You will live 13 years less than somebody that lives in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And that, with no traffic, that's a 10-minute drive. I agree with that. But then you got to pay so much more to live in those areas. Um, right. It's like they... It's like you're set up to get the worst. Right, absolutely. But that's just the way it's been, The like, in Food the deserts. entirety. Right, Food It's deserts. always like that. It's kind of like slavery. Oh, yeah. Slavery. <laughs> no, I'm saying like slavery. No, no, for real. You know, like, you, we get the, the last. You get the, you know, the pig Ooh. ears and, like, all the slop or whatever. Yeah, not even the meat. Right. But then, you know, but what we do, we always flip it and make it so it worked for us. Right. And so, regardless of where we what we do and where we live, we always, you know, make it work. And that's the beauty of being, you know, a black woman being a being a part of that culture. Yeah, but still, like you, like human essence of just like you know longevity and stuff like that. There's other like even something as simple as like um, non-communicable diseases and communicable diseases, right? Mm-hmm. So like non-communicable diseases are just diseases that can't be transferred over. So it'll be like heart disease, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Well, diabetes can be a communicable disease that can't be transferred from person to person. Like you know, if your mom is diabetic, you have a higher chance because you probably eat as bad as her. So you develop. And it's it. also genetics, though. It's genetics yeah, 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 yeah. and lifestyle. Right, right, right. But, uh, and then, but some cultures are prone to get certain diseases right, or right. because of their genetics and the lifestyle based on socioeconomical right, statuses. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, like heart disease, stroke, um, what is it, like pulmonary disease, respiratory infection and stuff like that, like we have a higher chance of getting it. not And not higher than, I mean, higher than our like white co- counterparts, but we will die at a higher rate. Because we just don't, we're afraid of going to the hospital. Yeah. I, mean, I ain't going to the fucking doctor. Everybody, you're the third person on here. Don't nobody go to the doctor. Right. But we don't, black people, we don't go. 
Right. For one, we don't want that bill. For two, we think that whatever our home remedy is could fix it. Right. You know, it's like just throw some water. You know, what's what about him? Was just throw some water on that. Stop crying, stuff yeah. like that. Don't mm-hmm. be weak. But it's just like, but like in other cultures, if they get a light cough, I'm going to the doctor yeah. because I have insurance for it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's just like. I don't know how we, we can untrain it. I remember, you know, you emailed me and you said, how can we like change it or whatever? I think like if you get the right type of sponsors to, uh, <laughs> you're so funny. If you get the right type of sponsors to bring noise to it, like so when I was in grad school, I worked on HPV and HIV co-infection and I worked on like, have you heard of heart highly a- active antiretral um, therapy? No. So like whenever a person has like HIV or whatever, when you get HIV, um, HIV infection or whatever, you have to get on this therapy, which is like five medications that it controls the viral load. So mm-hmm. you never get rid of uh, um, what you call it, HIV. You just uh, control the way that it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So works. it doesn't, so it doesn't um, multiply or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're on um, highly anti, um, when you're on heart therapy or whatever, you know, there's damn, I lost my train of thought. I was tagging my name. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, 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 yeah right. Wait, no. Heart therapy, HIV. Damn it, my brain's buffering. Hold on, hold on, Tequita. I was just trying to make sure I was being tagged right. Hold on, pause. Um, <laughs> we said cultural competency. We talked about, oh, yeah, going to the doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, go ahead, so you interrupt me. No, I wanted to ask you um, if you had any. Yes, ma'am. Unexpected trips to the emergency room. You know, I never only no. No, only when I was like seventeen, when I broke my wrist. Like I broke my left wrist and I fractured my right wrist. And I went to the doctor and they were like, "Oh, your wrist is broken." I was like, "Wait, what?" I put, How did that happen? I went up for I was in high school. Went up for a dunk in basketball. Got low bridge oh. by some nigga named Daryl. You know, <laughs> fuck you, Daryl. Oh shoot! And I fell and broke my wrist. And I just I remember yelling, screaming. And my cousin Ricky was like, "Why is this guy yelling and screaming?" So it was Friday. Came back over the weekend. My left wrist was broken. And I went to basketball practice practice playing with one wrist all week then at my then i was like something's wrong with my wrist so that friday i go to the doctor they're like you broke your wrist so i was in a cast for like a year and a half i was so upset my career was over your basketball career it was over it was done because of that dunk that yeah. did you did did you get the dunk did no, it go in no i didn't go and i got How? low bridge <laughs> nigga daryl man fuck it's amazing the domino effect because I wonder where Daryl is today that nigga daryl's in south la but with some kids and shit but like oh well I mean, he's doing he's doing his thing, but like, well, fuck Daryl. If that never would have happened, I feel like everybody is just giving shout outs to people they don't. Like. Yeah, 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 fuck that nigga. I mean, I love Daryl, but like, <laughs> man, like, if I never got low bridge, would have been a higher seed. We probably play Westchester in um, what you call it, high school finals. We probably get smoked by Westchester. Trevor Reza was on that team, but maybe like some uh, Ricky got a scholarship. Maybe Ray would have got a scholarship. Fuck, <laughs> it's all because you didn't make that dog on. No, I what was it? Did, you, you dunk. You didn't make that dunk. I like how you dunk. Like, like, like ah, I, yeah, I yeah. feel like this is how you had to dunk to land on the floor like that. No, I went up on one hand, but I, oh, I was like, oh, I was jumping so high with my thirty-three inch vertical. I like how you came. You was like, you know what? What's the socioeconomic? Yeah, well, you yeah. know, well, you have to come prepared. Yeah, you came. You came yeah, with it because it was like love notes, and I saw the what's this called? The stethoscope. I saw the stethoscope. You need to know what a stethoscope is. If I write in your family, oh in, yeah, yeah, the, you have the, to know that. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, the steth- You know, I was a nurse's aide when I was like 18. I didn't know that. Tell yeah, me yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, oh man, to clear that, I worked at a at a rehab center for for, for three years. I was a nurse's aide, and um. 
the patients, yo, bipolar, schizophrenic, HIV, HPV, cancer, even people that you said were just, HPV. HPV, yeah, yeah. HPV put people in fit in the therapist. No, no, but you know, like if you get HPV induced like cancer, so you're like penile yeah. cancer, anal, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Even throat cancer. Fun fact, you know Michael Douglas. Remember yeah, I remember when he, that. Uh-huh. Remember he was like, he oh, divorced got, his wife, right? Yeah, he's like, I got, uh-huh. I got cancer from oral sex, and people were laughing at him. I was like, no, this HPV. Man, I had another uh, guest. You know, he was concerned about catching something from oral sex. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially he went to the ER about it, and it wasn't because nothing. you know there's like there's like high risk HPV, but there's like low risk. So like low risk HPV, like it look like a wart, it can look like acne. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So these dudes be eating out these girls or whatever, and girls be sucking these niggas' dicks where it be like oh, wow. look like like acne or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I'm sorry, like for real. And they'd be like, oh, you just need to clean it, baby. It's like no, this nigga has like low risk HPV. And they just take care of it. It develops and mutates, and now you got high risk HPV. And then it's like, oh man, I got penile cancer. And that's that's oh that's sad. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, and I guess the cancer. point would be just to wrap it up then, if well, people would follow that. No, because even if you use a condom, it's still you can still get HPV from skin to skin contact. But it's like if you take care of yourself, you because de- we all have HPV. If you've had sex, you have HPV. I agree with that. Yeah, every, every everybody look, got it. Everybody has it. But if you take care of yourself, you have low risk. You, <laughs> look at him on the couch, <laughs> looking like, like uh, <laughs> looking like is that true? Look, every, look, everybody has it. But if you take, but look, if you take care of yourself, you work out, you eat well, you're not promiscuous. You know what I'm saying? It's it's dormant, like it won't like come like you won't deal with like the effects of like HPV because HPV has the same mode of transmission as HIV. So a lot of like women that die that have HIV, they die of HPV induced cancers. Mm. Like some like 80% or something like that. So wow. it's like, yeah, you have to take care of yourself, man. Like, look, man, I that's just, crazy. Like, I understand. Look, I know niggas want to fuck all these bitches and shit like that. And everybody wants to like have all this sex, but you have to be very, very careful. Yeah, there's I agree. Re- you should take care of yourself and take care of your body and yeah. be responsible. Yeah, there's a reason why there's moderation. Like, don't get it to like, I remember an ex called me years ago and she was like, I know you know about HPV. Could you help me out? I was like, well, what's wrong? She was she like, had she, HPV? she had um, early um, cervical cancer cells developing mm-hmm. around her vulva. Yeah. So I put her in contact with my mentor. I was like, hey, you need to do this or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So always what get a check. Take care of yourself. Always Everybody get, take care of themselves. Always check. Get, uh, <laughs> get checked hey, out. Look, <laughs> you know, it's one way to know you have HPV. Your booty booty be itching. So, you know, dudes that be like, dudes be like, oh, my ass itches. I was like, yeah, you better check it out, brother. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you look at check you dropping. Beleko. You check it out, brother. You got to do <laughs> Just dropped all the hints. Brothers yeah, and sisters. Yeah. Check out, check yourself out for all this stuff out here. Scratch your scrotum. I'm oh, my scrotum goodness. Yeah, you have a little HPV. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> I got I have to research this before I. Uh, I'm trying to tell you. True. I'll give you my thesis. Yeah. Uh, what do you want? Um. So we have to wrap up this episode of oh, Love no. Notes. You have been amazing. I'm so oh. happy you came. Oh, God to bless share you. all of your knowledge. 